Next order of business is a roll call of members. Please indicate your presence when the machine is open. If all the members voted, Tyler, roll. Well, as, as a podcaster, the most important day is when you finally get to speak to one of your idols. And I think that's how you know your show has really made it. And I've had some great guests, wonderful members of the legislature over the last several weeks. But I think today is the day that the episodes just go into the stratosphere. And I'm pretty excited about that. Today's guest, I don't even think he needs a full introduction, is Ryan Hatfield of Evansville. Ryan, thank you for your willingness. And I know it was an uphill battle. Uh, thanks for your willingness to come on the podcast this week. You know, with that introduction, I, I uh, should say that I appreciate you reading what I wrote there for you. Uh, <laughs> I uh, will just have to have you follow me around and introduce me that way uh, every way. So uh, I'm set up to fail now. There's no way that I can uh, outdo the uh, fantastic guest you've had so far. So that's exciting. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I want everyone to know also that uh, you might think that uh, I have added extra effects to Ryan's voice to make it sound that radio smooth, but I, I have not. This is just how Ryan Hatfield sounds. Ryan, I want you to start by, uh, for folks, maybe a lot of folks probably are listening from Indianapolis. So maybe someone who hasn't met you, doesn't know you, where are you from? How long have you been in the legislature? Give us the kind of the quick rundown on who Ryan Hatfield is. Sure. No, I appreciate that. I uh, am a husband and, and have three uh children who are very young and uh, who I'm excited to get uh, home to. Uh, and um, I'm a lawyer by trade. I serve as a ranking minority member of judiciary as well as of labor and employment. I also serve on public health and utilities. How long have you been in the legislature? I was elected in 2016 uh, and uh, so have been serving since then and and have enjoyed my time here. Uh, thus far. It's uh, important work, and I believe in it. And certainly the people of Evansville want to uh, make sure that they get their uh, fair share, uh, if you will. And so I work on issues uh, not only in my committees, but pertaining to Southern Indiana and Evansville. Well, I can tell you as someone who's been to Evansville to visit Ryan, uh, his constituents know he works hard. Uh, and you can tell by the way, when you're walking around town with him, the way they're so grateful to him. So you, I mean, being here since 2016, you were probably one of the younger members at that time, weren't you? I uh, was at one point the youngest serving member. I was not the youngest serving member when I was elected. Uh, however, um, there was some turnover in the Republican caucus that then for a short period of time made me the youngest member. So, yes, I was amongst uh, the youngest. And at some point for, I think, a year, I was the youngest serving member. So one of the things we like to do here, and I think that listeners enjoy, is kind of just kind of peel back the curtain a bit. And I think one of the things that's interesting especially we've kind of guessed by guess, it's been a little different. You've got a, a two and a half hour drive at the end of the week. So how, what is that like? I think serving as a member and then also like you mentioned, three young kids and a family two and a half hours away. How does that kind of play into the way this job works for you? Yeah, it's a good question. And my experience has changed since I've been here because I came in uh, newly married without any children. And so uh, over that uh, span of time have now three little uh, children and uh, last week was actually the first week in which my four-year-old really uh, started, I think, to miss me and, and to understand what this uh, commitment means. And uh, as I say back home, I'm not the only one serving. My wife and, and my children enable me to do this. And every week when they send me up here, uh, they, it's at a cost to them. And so it's something that we don't talk enough about, something we don't think about, um, that legislators of both parties are leaving their homes, uh, many times their families, their kids, 
uh, to serve and, and it's important work and we're proud to do it. And every two years, my wife remembers, uh, reminds me that we uh, go out and beg folks for this job. And so uh, I certainly am not complaining, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't come at some sacrifice for uh, my three little kids and kids uh, throughout the legislature. Well, I don't know how you do it, man. Really, I, as someone who gets to live really, really close to the building, it's always inspiring to me the level of service it takes to be able to, to put those hours in. And even, you know, outside of even just being away, I mean, two and a half hour drive is, is can be kind of brutal in its own right. So thanks for, thanks for doing it. I'm glad I get to serve with you. You know, it's uh, important work and, and it does certainly take buy-in from your family that this work is important and the values in which we fight for um, are their values as well. And, and we do it together. Speaking of the values we fight for, it's been a, a frustrating week in terms of legislation that's made it out of the House, uh, as many of you know, Senate Bill 480, Gender Transition Procedures for Minors, uh, has now passed out of the House uh, and goes to the governor for his signature or veto. As many of you know, this is a bill that would prohibit the use of gender-affirming care for transgender youth. And I think what's getting a lot of attention is the idea of surgeries, um, which are not happening to youth in Indiana. There are other treatments, hormone treatments, uh, puberty blockers, also therapy uh, that transgender youth uh, go under to try and deal with their trauma and their pain and the depression. This is a, a population much more likely to commit suicide, much more likely to suffer from severe depression. Um, and so while you may have heard a lot about surgery, I want you to know that what you're, we're actually talking about are these other treatments because that's what's actually only things that are occurring in the state of Indiana. Ryan, just just quickly, you know, what's your reaction to to this bill making it out of the chamber this week? Yeah, it's a, a sad day in the Indiana General Assembly. Anytime a bill like this uh, passes and passes so overwhelmingly, um, and I think it's so vital to point out that surgeries are not occurring in the state of Indiana for youth, and that this bill is one of a half a dozen bills moving through the legislature this year that are an attack on the LGBTQ community. It's disheartening, it's frustrating, and the Democrat caucus, I think, has put up a valiant fight uh, in that regard. However, um, the numbers are such that it's very difficult. And so uh, the House Republican attack on LGBTQ community is unfortunate, it's disheartening, we'll continue to um, battle this out and hopefully uh, rely on the governor's uh, good sense here. But uh, it's not just this bill. There are others that are aiming to shame and harass our LGBTQ Hoosiers. We know that um, they are um, amongst the smartest and brightest um, in our communities, and we're chasing them out of our state. And we know that because they come to the Indiana General Assembly every year and say, you're forcing me uh, into a different state, and I'd like to remain home, or I'd like to remain in this state, but I simply cannot. And this is one of those bills. Nine states have enacted similar legislation, uh, and one of those states, Alabama, uh, the law has been blocked by a federal judge. In Alabama, the judge ruled that the state had produced no credible evidence to show the transitioning medications are, quote, experimental, while also, quote, the uncontradicted record evidence is that at least 22 major medical associations in the U.S. endorse transitioning medications as well-established evidence-based treatments for gender dysphoria in minors. I, th I say all this to suggest that we already know the ACLU, uh, if the governor signs this law, uh, intends to take legal action. Um, and you know, it's our hope that uh, we'll continue to find solutions to stop this kind of barrage of attacks on the LGBTQ uh, community. Also this week, another bill that was frustrating to many of us, Senate Bill 414, on-site sewage systems and holding tanks. Now that 
would make it sound like something that we should probably all be to agree on. But uh, this bill went after wetlands. And uh, if you've been reading the news, you know that the Republican uh, members of the legislature uh, have been chipping away at protections for wetlands, which serve a really important role in our state. Ryan, another bill that uh, seems like we should have been able to, to get some common ground here and do what's right for Hoosiers. But again, we couldn't get it done. And so disheartening that the bill started out in a place that Democrats and Republicans agreed on and, and were willing to pass together uh, that the industry was asking for, that pretty much there was uh, universal agreement on. And at the last minute, an amendment is put into the bill that attacks wetlands, which we know are essential ecosystems for Indiana's environment, for our wildlife, and important to our communities. And it's, it's a shame. A DNR report from 1991 estimated that Indiana had already lost 85% of its original wetlands. Of the remaining wetlands, 80 to 90% were state-protected wetlands, with the bill removing the majority of protections. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to see how this all plays out. I know environmental groups, uh, wildlife organizations all have great uh, struggles with this, uh, this language that's been, that's been moved forward. Uh, and again, you know, you'll see it from our caucus over and over again that we're fighting to protect these wetlands, fighting to protect the environment here in Indiana and, and, uh, and doing our part. But uh, like I said, frustrating week. On, on the other hand, uh, outside of these two pieces of legislation, there were some good things this week. Uh, we had the Intern Family Day, uh, which was an exciting time for members to uh, get to know some of the folks that helped raise these interns who do a whole lot of work for us uh, here in the legislature. Ryan, you've got a great intern. Anything you want to say about uh, this week and the opportunity to meet family members and all that? You know, the interns serve such a vital role. Unlike uh, Washington, D.C., we don't have big staffs. And um, one of the things that I always like to point out is everybody works for the speaker. And so there's always a negotiation with the majority party, no matter who's in charge. Uh, of how much staff you get. And, and House Democrats are very limited in our ability to hire staff. And so interns fill that void. And they do everything from some mundane secretarial tasks, but they really dig into policy for us too and make sure that we know what's going on in the bills. And, and as they're moving through the process, what gets added or taken out of them. My intern, Courtney Bell, is incredible from Indiana University uh, and just really um, is inspiring to watch her uh, develop bills and, and talking points and to uh, work with her on legislation. A really cool opportunity for us to work with Indiana's young people and to be inspired by uh, their gifts, their talents. And, and Courtney Bell, in my opinion, is amongst uh, the best that we got. And uh, her colleagues and interns um, that she works with are, are um, passionate advocates for this system and do vital work for those of us who serve. And you got to imagine for a moment, too. So these these interns will work for a number of legislators, so multiple legislators. And just like with the staff, you are, as an intern, then dropped into a situation where you have to learn the personalities of all these members, how they do the work, how they handle their research, how they handle preparation for floor remarks. Uh, this is not an easy job. Like as an internship, that is a very difficult job. And we're all individually elected in different parts of the states. So just because I believe something or value uh, something, it may differ for another member that uh, Courtney or any other intern has. And so uh, they have to keep track, you know, which part of the state they're in, who they're dealing with and, and what that member's uh, wishes are. And it's a, it's a difficult job for sure. My intern, Christian, also extraordinary. And he's got the task of uh, uh, Dr. Vern Smith and I as his two members. And what's interesting about that is Vern's been around for a long time, like what, 30, 40 years in the legislature, something like that. Uh, and so he still does things the way he has done for a long time. So lots of paper and, 
you know, binders and kind of that approach. And then I'm all on the iPad. And I think so Christian's got to find a way to work between those two universes where, you know, Vern wants his huge stack of things to work through on a given day. And at least I can do everything in email. This has to be breaking news that you and Vernon don't uh, handle your, your work exactly the same. <laughs> slight I, differences. Slight uh, differences. Shocked by that. Uh, you know, the thing this week that I, I want to mention is we started getting a concurrence calendar. And so up to this point, throughout different episodes, we've shared the process, how this works. Uh, you know, House bills uh, go through committee and then they pass the House and they go to the Senate, go to the Senate committee, then they pass the Senate, then they come back over. And at that moment, um, oftentimes the Senate has made changes to a bill. So, Ryan, could you walk us through just a little bit? about what happens when the Senate finally passes something out, but it's got changes in it. Yeah, real briefly, uh, once the Senate uh, passes the bill, if it's not identical to the way it passed the House, that sets up an opportunity for the author of that bill either to concur and accept the changes and ask for the body for a final vote on the, the changes as they came out of the Senate, or to dissent and send it into conference committee. If they concur, we vote on it and it moves through the process. If they dissent, it goes into conference committee where one Republican uh, from the House and the Senate and one Democrat from the House and the Senate meet with advisors and try to come up with one uh, piece of language. While there are rules around this process, it's important to note that you may find a bill that is about A, B, and C, and by the end of conference committee, it is about MNNOP <laughs> and had nothing to do with the original intent of the bill. And so it's an interesting process uh, and also a process in which you really see the interest in the building start to dig in and find homes for language that did not uh, make it through. And so wild part of the process. Most people don't recognize that uh, after five months of working on language, it can all be thrown into conference committee and yeah. all be changed by a small group of members. And then uh, it goes back to the Senate and the House for a final vote. You know, the thing to know about concurrence too is it's, it's really, it is the final vote on a piece of legislation. And so oftentimes on particularly contentious bills, this is where you'll see members get up one last time to make the case uh, why a piece of legislation is good or bad. Uh, which is important because you'll see, well, I thought they already voted on this. I already saw the news article about this, but there is that one last moment that is kind of our last time to touch it before it potentially goes to the governor's office. And every once in a while, and this happens to the minority party, and so we're a little more sensitive to it, but every once in a while, you'll be a champion of a bill. Let's say it's Bill uh, uh, 1001, and um, you are uh, the champion for that bill as it leaves the House, and then it comes back from the Senate, and it may not be anything what you could ever support or like, and so you're left uh, then to oppose a bill that you were a great champion for in that, or in even the an House. author of at times, or even an author of at times. So it's a complicated process, but um, it certainly gives uh, the uh, power and authority to the majority party to make those changes, and and that can be difficult as a minority member. And we haven't had any dissents yet. Um, this week was all concurrences. So I suspect, you know, we've got, what, three weeks left, uh, a little more than that maybe, uh, that we'll start to see a few dissents and we can kind of dive into that process with future guests. But once we've got Ryan here, um, I guess I would ask uh, just a couple more questions of you. You know, having been in the in the legislature for many years, how have you seen the place change? It's kind of, I've asked multiple people this question. It's always kind of interesting, the differences in their answers. But what's what's different since day one, Ryan Hatfield, to today? You know, I, I'll take the opportunity maybe to uh, compliment the majority party. When I came in, um, there was a sense of, hey, let's let's all try to work together where we can. And, and certainly we had major differences, and those major differences don't change. But um, I believe that since my time here uh, in 16, we went through a period in which 
that um, collegiality and that sense of let's all work together on the things that we can work together on uh, really went away. And this is the first session in which I've started to see that come back in which uh, members of the both parties recognize that, hey, yeah, we have major differences. We're not trying to change those major differences um, or recognize that perhaps we can't change those major differences, but there's still vital work to be done uh, on the behalf of Hoosiers all over the place that we can work on. This session seems to be in part uh, an effort to repair those relationships and to repair that uh, ideal that we should work together for common good where we can and set aside our differences and, and certainly reserve the right to have those differences on other bills. But when it is something we can work together on, let's, let's try to do that. This session seems to be kind of uh, an effort to repair that that I believe um, was in place when I came in. I think we went through a time period in which that didn't seem to be the case, and it's sad, and, and um, we could get into reasons why, but glad to see that come back. I think that it is better for the process, better for Hoosiers, and it makes it a more enjoyable place to work just as somebody who has to come here every day. In terms of kind of your approach to leadership, right? Like, I think we all uh, look up to you, I think, as the younger members, the newer members. We're actually the same age, but you know what I mean. Newer members uh, look up to folks like you quite a bit. Like, how has your kind of leadership style changed? You know, coming in here fresh versus now uh, really a veteran of the caucus. You know, one of the things I've learned as being a, a member of a caucus is, um, you know, in our employment situations, oftentimes there's a hierarchy or a boss. And in uh, a House caucus, there is a leader who we is elected to lead the caucus, but is not necessarily a boss. And there is a, a major difference there because you cannot um, prohibit members from doing certain things, saying certain things, offering certain amendments or bills. And uh, the caucus may not all agree on that. And so uh, my leadership uh, style or uh, ideas have, have changed in that um, how do you get buy-in from a caucus to go in one direction while also respecting an individual member's right and duty to represent the, the folks back home? And how to empower them to do that? Because if they feel that it is necessary uh, to represent their constituents, and that's what's best also for their re-election, which is a real part of, of the, this. And so um, making sure that that member can come back so that you can build something. One of the, um, you know, we can talk about term limits, but there is a great value in a member who's been around a little while and has seen some of the battles and fights uh, before us. And so um, I, I would say just the development of making sure that we give individual members the freedom they need while also trying to inspire the group to go together is one of the major uh, conflicts and, and um, joys that I spend a lot of time thinking about as a, a caucus. How do we move together while providing that individual freedom? Well, and it's, it's interesting because you expand that out just from the caucus that there's the body itself, right? The House of Representatives, like everything is about how do you build relationships, make the case, find ways to get your language in somewhere to make a difference, even if we don't have the votes on our own to get it done. And uh, it's been fascinating to me to watch the different ways that people accomplish that. And you're fairly effective at that, too. I mean, how do you like how do you make things happen uh, when there's only 30 of us to 70 of them? And, and you know, uh, I'll go ahead and, and call out Representative Van Adder, whose daughter was in the building uh, today uh, as we record this. And, um, you know, I always say it's a lot harder to get up there and 
and blast on somebody whose family you know and and have been to dinner with and have gotten to enjoy and and perhaps have brought together with your own family. And so those relationships, I think, are better for the process, better for governing, better for uh, Hoosiers, because it enables us to know our counterparts in a way that uh, helps us understand that they're not just what you disagree with, that they also embody some of the same ideals and values that you do. And it's about finding common ground on those places uh, to move legislation forward uh, while still reserving obviously those differences that, that inev inevitably happen, but we have those in our own families. And so we shouldn't write off other legislators um, simply because they feel differently than we do. I recognize you got a two and a half hour drive. Uh, last question. Uh, we've got a few weeks left um, and uh, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. What are you kind of hoping for as we wrap up this legislative session? I'm hoping for a uh, healthcare bill that uh, does not needlessly uh, impugn or um, clamp down on uh, hospitals in a way that that doesn't make any sense. I think that we started off with legislation that was too insurance friendly, uh, too heavy on the hospitals and did not provide an actual solution to consumer cost, which is what I'm concerned about. We can talk about everybody else's cost, but at the end of the day, it's Hoosiers that we need to be thinking about. It's the, the, the uh, folks at the end of the line paying that bill. Uh, trying to figure out how to come up with the money um, to pay their deductible or, or uh, uncovered cost. And so we need to do everything we can to make sure that the health care legislation that moves and that comes out of this process is a, a piece of comprehensive legislation that will actually bring down costs for consumers and not just make a small group of politicians feel good. Amen. And let's also hope that our budget has adequate funding for mental health care. Because uh, so we've got a lot of talk about it this year. I want to see the dollars behind it, which I think is where we're still, they're still trying to work out the details there. Well, Ryan, listen, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for uh, slowing your departure to get home today uh, to be on the podcast. And thanks for being a really great role model. And I mean this, I, I think we joke around a lot, uh, but thanks for being such a great role model in this building. Uh, you actually provide a, a model of the kind of legislator I hope I get to be as I'm here. Um, please quit crying. This is very weird. <laughs> very kind. You're very kind. <laughs> Thanks for tuning Everybody, thank you for listening yet again. Maybe three more episodes, and then you don't get to hear from me for quite a while. So uh, have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time.